from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is the Anxiety Bites podcast, and I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Welcome to Anxiety Bites. I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Now, if you do not have anxiety, this is the episode for you, because there are certain truths that every human must face or must accept, scientific truths. You have a nervous system. It doesn't mean you're nervous. It doesn't mean anything. It means you have a nervous system. It is the thing that informs your brain of how your body is feeling, to put it very, I don't know, stupidly, I guess, you know, non-scientifically. But our nervous systems connect with other people's nervous systems. You can, you can tell this by the way you feel 
with working with others, living with others, in any kind of relationship with another person, our nervous systems are always doing a subconscious sniffing out. And when we become conscious of what's going on, we might say things like, that person annoyed me, or they have a good vibe, or they're not validating me. I feel unsafe, you know, or I must run. This really feels dangerous. Even when we're talking about attachment styles in love, all of this comes back to our nervous systems are always kind of sussing out the situation. And there are times when we may not be regulated. So what Deb and I talk about is an example of a therapist. So if you're in therapy for whatever reason, and your therapist comes running in, oh my God, traffic was bad. And you know, she's spilling coffee and she sits down that her nervous system in that moment's unregulated. She can get it regulated in a few minutes, but you're being met with an unregulated energy, which is really not what you're paying for, right? So how many times a day are we just letting it fly unregulated around others without realizing it affects them? And now they have to regulate. And now if you're in relation, they may need to co-regulate, which is to kind of help you on a subconscious level, chill the fuck out, as they maintain their boundary and they're regulating. Now, I'm probably not saying any of this correctly, so that's why we're just gonna take it to Deb Dana. But again, if you do not have anxiety, this episode will fascinate you because it's all about how the human brain works and how our nervous system informs our brain about what we think about certain situations. And a lot of times, our brain might get it wrong. And so what we have to do in those situations is say, I know I'm not in any real danger. Why am I so triggered, irked, annoyed about this? And even if you never figure it out, there's a way to begin to regulate your nervous system. And it starts with curiosity. And Deb takes me through something that I think will be a really good example for you of a situation I found myself in recently, how it makes me feel. Deb explains what's going on in my nervous system that I wasn't aware of. And then she shows me how to regulate. Again, I find this all very fascinating. We only scratch the surface, but let's just get there. Let's just get to my interview with Deb Dana. Deb Dana, LCSW, is a clinician and consultant specializing in working with complex trauma. She is one of the founders of the polyvagalinstitute.org. Deb developed the Rhythm of Regulation clinical training series and lectures internationally on ways that polyvagal theory informs work with trauma survivors. And we do talk a little bit about trauma survivors as well towards the end of the episode. Deb is the author of tons of books. A lot of them are for clinicians, therapists, but her newest book is really for the everyday person. And it teaches you everything that we're going to talk about in this episode and more about how to anchor your nervous system. Again, you don't have to have anxiety for this to be a thing. Her new book is called Anchored, How to Befriend Your Nervous System Using Polyvagal Theory. It came out in 2021. So I talked to the, by the way, beautifully regulated Deb Dana. She's regulated. I'm coming in regulated. She's got good vibes. This is a super fun, chill, I think very calming conversation. So please enjoy my chat with the very regulated Deb Dana. When I'm looking at the book Anchored, it seems 
different than some of your other work in that it's really geared towards the layperson. Yes. And I'd love to know your thoughts on why it is so important that everybody, not just smarty pants people who study this for a living, why everybody needs to understand our nervous systems and, as you say, how to befriend your nervous system using polyvagal theory. Why is this important? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely place to begin. And I loved it when you said, you know, nervous systems connected globally, um, because I, I do think this is such a fascinating time to be thinking about, about that. So I just wanted to stop there for a minute and take that in that, you know, we're connected nervous system to nervous system um, around the world. This is a fascinating thing to, to, to think about. And one of the reasons why I think every human should understand how this part of our biology works, right? It, the nervous system is the common denominator in our human experience. We all have one. It, it works along these three basic organizing principles that Steve Porges developed in polyvagal theory. And, you know, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a clinician, and so I've written a lot for other clinicians, and then, you know, really want to write for what I call curious human beings, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the general audience, because in my work as a therapist, I really believe that part of my job is to help my clients understand what's happening so that they can manage the, the everyday experiences and the, um, the ordinary ones, and even some of the more extraordinary ones without depending on me as a therapist. They understand how their nervous system works so that they can begin to work with it, because that's what we do. We have to understand how something works so that we can begin to then shape it in, in the way we want. So that's really my reason for writing anchored and for, for moving out into a, a more general audience, because, you know, we're, this sort of is the 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 car we're driving through life right yeah and we should understand how it works and you know i think i think that's part of our 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 human responsibility is to understand why am i behaving this way responding this way thinking this way how am i in this story because if i understand how i got here then i can understand how to move out of here and and find another more regulated place so that's, I think, the, the call to action is, is to understand and to be responsible for our nervous systems as we move through the world. I'm always trying to appeal to the listener that doesn't have anxiety but likes to, to check in with this show because people can learn so much about their brains, their emotions, their bodies by the people that I interview. And so to the person without anxiety who might think, well, you know, that's great. Nervous system. That's for the nervous people. How does the nervous system come into play in everyday life for everybody, not even those of us with anxiety? And, and sometimes I think it's a these days a name that can make people turn a, a deaf ear. They hear nervous system. I think they think it's for nervous people. It's like, no, as you said, we all have one. And so how, give me an everyday example, I don't know, a family, mom, dad, kids, mom, mom, kids, whatever, or a couple living together or people at work. How does knowing about your nervous system help the everyday that has really nothing to do with like they have anxiety and, and that kind of thing? So, you know, we think it's our brains that are, are running the show. But in fact, what happens is the nervous system through the pathways that travel to the brain, send information about what's happening in your body to your brain. And then it's the brain's job to make up a story 
that makes some kind of sense about what's happening in the body. doesn't matter if it's anxiety, if it's um, overwhelm, if it's depression, or if it's regulation and safety and calm and happiness. The brain then makes up a story. Right. So, so I think it's important for us to understand where the stories come from. The state, your, your, the state of your nervous system creates the story. It's the platform for the story. So, you know, our nervous systems, yours and mine, met about 10 minutes ago. And our nervous systems are getting to know each other. We're getting to know each other through our conversation, but our nervous systems are having an experience as well. And that happens moment to moment as we move through life on a level below the brain nervous system to nervous system we are making a decision is it safe to connect or not and that has nothing to do with anxiety or depression you know anger or or fear it doesn't matter right it is all about what are the cues that our nervous systems are sending to each other they're communicating and that's called neuroception in the world of, of the nervous system. And neuroception is this way the nervous system listens. And it listens inside our bodies. So it's early morning here. It's my nervous system's listening to, you know, how am I digesting what I've had so far? What's my heart rate? What's my breath like? Right? What's happening in my viscera? And out of that information, it's making a judgment. Is this a, a safe time or an unsafe time? And then it listens in the environment. Right. So we just I just had a, a, a ding from my message because I hadn't turned on do not disturb. Mm. Right. So the environmental cue was one of danger. Oh my gosh. You know, we're doing this podcast and my thing just dinged. That was like, ah, right? <laughs> the, and, right. And then you said, Oh, don't worry, we can edit that out. And immediately in this space between the two of us, I felt a welcome and a and a sense of, of safety. Right. So it has nothing to do with whether I have anxiety or I'm an anxious person. It simply is this flow that we are always in, um, in that inside, outside, in between neuroceptive experience. This is great. So, and, and, you know, to everyone listening, we're not in studio together, right? We're over a Zoom type situation. So I'm assuming, I mean, I know the answer because I read your book, but I'm assuming the nervous system can communicate even across Zoom, and and can you tell us how that would be happening without? I know you, as you said, my words were very comforting because I'm I'm a great person, Deb. But how are our nervous systems communicating wordlessly without even being in the same room? Right, right. And so you're saying I'm a great person. You're talking to my brain, but your your tone of voice, the the look on your face, the smile, the the engagement with your eyes, the way you lean forward to connect, that's communicating by nervous system. Mm. Right. And that's that's the experience. So through our eyes, through our, our prosody, our tone of voice, through our, our head movements, through our ears, how we take in information, these are wired in to our biology. Right. So it's not the words you're saying, it's the way you're saying them. And we know that. We've heard that yeah. all along, but now we have the science underneath it to say, yes, it's your your intonation, it's your prosody. And if that feels welcoming to my nervous system, then I'm going to tune into the information and the words. But if it doesn't, if you, if for some reason your tone of voice or the look on your face, you know, or the way you move is, is feels unsafe to my nervous system. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to be able to, not that I don't want to, but my biology is going to say, no, not safe. 
And that happens all the time when we're connecting with people, right? We don't, Do you get sometimes a like a gut feeling about somebody? I don't know why, but I don't really want to hang around with this person. Or I don't know why, but I really want to you know, spend more time with this person. Yeah. And, you know, it's there's an article, a very unscientific article. Um, what it's saying can be scientifically proven, but the article was a little more, you know, just fun that I read a few weeks ago about why some people just rub us the wrong way. And someone else, you know, might say, that. oh, my God, that's the greatest guy ever. And I had this experience recently. Um, I don't want to say in case he's listening, but I'll just say it's a work situation where someone at my job and they, they actually don't work in our company. They work outside of our company, but they have to come in once a day to do something COVID related. Oh, I'm just exposing it. And um, this person annoys me. And it is the words they say sometimes. They don't say offensive words, but they just they just have kind of an awkward joking around style that I find aggressive. And everyone else loves this person. And I get, I'm not joking when I say it, I get physical anxiety, not overwhelming, like I need to, you know, lay down, but I do get a tense, my shoulders go up thinking about, oh, I've got to see name redacted this morning in a, in a minute. And I actually feel physically nervous. Now, I don't think that's because I have anxiety and have had a history of panic disorder. I think I would be that way even if I were an anxiety-free person, right? Right, because for, they're, they're cues of warning that his nervous system sends to your nervous system. And our nervous systems are shaped by our lived experience, right? So there's something in that person's um, way of being that is a familiar cue of danger to your nervous system, and it enacts this heightened, activated response, right? I, I, I had the same um, experience with a colleague who my brain knew he was a very skilled clinician and that he was good at what he did. But when we were in team meetings, I just wanted to argue with him all the time. <laughs> and I could not figure out what that was, right? Until I was able to take a step back and really sit with my nervous system and see what, what's happening. And there was a, a way he moved and a, and a posture and, a, and a, a, a look to his presence that reminded me of someone from my past. Mm. So it had nothing to do with him at all. But he, but my nervous system just felt the familiar cues. And then here I was fighting with him all the time. Right. And I once I once I could get that that yeah. awareness, then I could change. My nervous system still had that response, but yeah. I could then my brain could say, Oh, not fill in the blank. And then I could relax. Okay, so that's an interesting point. So even when you figure out why you have this urge to argue with someone that you know is skilled, once you figure that out, you still might have that physical nervous system reaction, even if you're not like feeling it so strongly, but you can now make a decision as someone with a brain right. to not argue, right? Is that right. how that See, works? See, the, the brain can get this, the information might still be the same, a, a less intense body response, but the brain can make up a different story. So for you, the question would be, as you think back in, in your history, what are the familiar cues that this person gives off and then to kind of explore, okay, what is it, right? Yeah, and, and I think with this person, I don't, for right now, I cannot think of someone specific in my life, but it reminds me of just a pattern mm -hmm. 
of a type of person that when they're anxious or nervous, they make jokes, they may have some boundary problems. And those people make me just feel icky. <laughs> but now my brain just has to make a choice right. to, I don't know, whatever it's going to do, send love and compassion or just say, Jen, you know, you don't have to physically get anxious. This, this person's no threat. You knew this, but just t saying it to myself maybe try to make it more fun. You know, maybe I come in with a different attitude and I say something to, you know, I don't let him start the conversation. I come in because it's literally a, I'm not joking when I say a two minute interaction every morning. It's, it's just taking a COVID but, test. But, but uh, how, know. but how, how hard for your biology to have that two minute experience every day. And so we want to not have to do that. Yeah. So as you, you know, you can pre-plan because you can think about, oh, okay. And you can feel that move into activation, which is sympathetic nervous system, that fight and flight, a little anxiety, anger is, is in sympathetic, right? You can feel that activating and you can turn towards it. This is the befriending piece. You can turn toward that experience with a bit of curiosity and say, oh, mm. I hear that, you know, um, and I wonder what else we could do this morning. You know, I, there's a discernment question that I use, um, it, which I think is really helpful because we all have these experiences that make no sense. There's an overreaction or an underreaction. So the discernment question is, in this moment, in this place, with this person, is this level of response or this response needed? Right. And so you just ask yourself that question. That's inviting your brain to partner with your nervous system to be curious about that. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I do think it's needed. But most of the time, for, for many of us, it's no, probably that, that intensity of response is not needed. Mm. Okay. And then I can partner with my nervous system and say, thank you for reminding me about this pattern that I find. Um, what word would you use? That I find difficult or it's annoying. Annoying. Like a fly around you. Yeah. Right. Thank you for reminding me about this pattern that I find annoying. And I'm going to anchor in that place of regulation, which is ventral in this place of regulation, so that I can meet this moment without having to disrupt the flow of my day. And I, and I don't mean to harp on this situation too much, but it's, it's bringing up for me all of the ways that our nervous systems are interconnected. So in my past, before I'd done a lot of work on myself, I was a little more of a reactionary person, to put it mildly. So say Jen 1.0 may have not reacted to him in front of him, but I would have gone to, I mean, zero to a million with a story in my head after my interaction with him, which would have gone something like, my life is hard enough and I have to do this first thing in the morning instead of blah, 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 and bing, 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 bing. And it somehow would have gone into how my life sucks and I'm not getting what I want in life in relationships, in work. I mean, it would have just gone out of control. And then I bring that energy to my coworkers and that is what I mean by, I, I heard you say it, that our nervous systems are all interconnected. So now my coworkers have to have a nervous system to brain response about, I'm coming in hot, you know, after this thing that really could have dissipated by now. 
And so I think that's, is that like a responsibility in a way that we all have? They always say, like, you know, if everyone meditated, the world would be a better place. It's sort of like if everyone could self-regulate and just or not or, take it that way. Right. Self-regulate or co-regulate. You could still come in hot, as you, you know, call it. You could come in in that sympathetically mobilized, chaotic energy, which their nervous systems are then going to feel through neuroception. But they could understand, oh, I, I know this is a tough thing for Jen every morning. And they could <laughs> meet you with regulation, and then you would co-regulate back to regulation. So it's not simply self-regulation. Co-regulation is so important. Right? That's the third organizing principle. We have neuroception we talked about. We have yeah. hierarchy that we touched on briefly. It, it's that regulated ventral. It's the sympathetic anxiety, anger, and it's the dorsal, which I don't know if you go there, that, that collapse, disconnect, right? And yeah. the, so that's the hierarchy. And then we have co-regulation. We humans need to have other humans to co-regulate with. And so that morning, you know, test is not a co-regulating moment for you. Where is a co-regulating moment that you can have either before or after it? That's really what we're looking for. And this brings up so many things about relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, whatever, where if you are with good people that you can trust, right, they will co-regulate with you. So it's absolutely true. I, I hope in a non-dumping things on them way, I have tried to make it funny and told my work friends, I don't know why this guy annoys me. And it's, it's sort of a funny joke. They tease me about it. And it's fun. But they do know that it actually does touch off something where, uh, for me, it's just about like, I'll give you so that people don't think I'm completely out of my mind and this is completely out of nowhere. But in my other life, I'm a stand-up comedian and this person found out. So for me, a lot of times when men find out I'm a comedian, they, whatever they do, it makes them want to be funny. And that's fine. I don't need that. I'm not really interested in people being funny around me. And it is a thing where uh, I can get very angry at men because I think it's a gendered thing. I think sometimes they try to be funnier than the woman to prove themselves. And I think some most people have a, a tendency to go mean with their humor. So he might make fun of what I'm wearing. It's that kind of thing where it's like, yeah. oh, he's representing this cultural force that I'm very exhausted by. And so right. my friends at work understand there's actually something kind of deeper underneath this. But, you know, they're also not going to coddle me uh, because I need to handle my shit. So so it's this wonderful co-regulation that I get from them where they're like, I'm sorry, but then we laugh about it. Right. And it's fascinating what you just, you know, talked about because your nervous system um, is responding to this other nervous system. And then from that state of um, sympathetic, a bit of, it felt like a bit of anger along with the anxiety. So that's because sympathetic survival has those twin pathways of anger and anxiety. Both are survival responses. And when we enter into a sympathetic state of anger, anxiety, a survival state, we enter into a certain survival story. And we began to hear the survival story that comes along with that state for you about, about larger than this person. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that's interesting to do is if you can get to a place where you're feeling 
regulated and anchored in ventral, in that place of curiosity, right? To, to turn toward the, the morning experience from that anchor, from curiosity, from, um, you know, where, where there are different stories can emerge. And what's the story that you hear then? Right? Because it's a very yeah. different story. And, and you know, it, as it just comes to mind what the story could be, it's just nothing to do with me. Right. I'm not in that story. Right. It, my right. curiosity is goes, well, maybe he's just, you know, excited to be here. And, right. you know, it's just trying to, he, he doesn't know me. So he's just going to make an assumption like, mm-hmm. well, she probably likes funny people. So I'm just going to try to make her COVID test a fun experience because I'm a so, nice person. So look know? at that. I mean, yeah. what a different story it is. Yeah. Right. So and, and that's what we do. The experience does not change. Right. You still go to get the COVID test. Yeah. But depending on what nervous system state you're in, the story is very different. And so could I then start to change my nervous system in that if I come in with that story that I got to by looking at it in a curious way, could that actually change? I know you say it, it may not change, like we may still come in and, and have that nervous system response, but could that change with my brain doing a different story? Yeah, so, so we do it the other way. So what I want you to do before you go in for the COVID test is find a way to anchor in ventral. Okay. Find your way to regulation because then organically your feelings, your behaviors, your stories come along with it. And that's why I want to get into what we're saying when you say ventral and dorsal and all that, um, yeah. which is, you know, funny where I meant to start. But sometimes interviews, I just they go their own way. And what I loved about this, and, and I'm sorry the, to the listener, if you think I was trying to have my own personal therapy session with Deb, I like to give these real life examples to show what could seem like the most meaningless little moment. Not that it's such a big deal, but it just illustrates how many times a day we have that with other people. And the co-regulation is so important because we need to, um, I want to ask you more about that later, if we get to it in terms of like when people meet romantically for the first time and how the nervous system can be a little wonky there. But (laughs) so let's get into like what the polyvagal theory is. So you're saying our nervous system has three parts to it. And and can you tell us those three parts? So we have these three states. We have ventral, sympathetic, and dorsal. And that's called the autonomic hierarchy for listeners who want that term. The the brilliant thing about the hierarchy, again, that Steve um, Porges, when he developed polyvagal theory, helped us understand is that we move through these states in a particular way, right? It's not random, right? And our, our, our biology, our nervous system really longs to be in a state of regulation, safety, and connection. That sort of the energy is is flowing. That's called ventral. Ventral, okay. Ventral. Um, and in ventral, we have access to everything from zen-like calm to passion, play, alert, excited. Um, it, and the, the thing that helps us understand ventral is, again, we go back to neuroception, Mm-hmm. The neuroception is one of feeling safe enough, right? So it's a it's a neuroception of I'm okay, and when neuroception is in this, bringing us cues of welcome or safety, our state is one of ventral, and from ventral, um, we can connect, communicate, we can see possibilities, we can solve problems, we can move through the world 
um, in a way that that feels organized. That we have purpose. We have passion. All of these wonderful things, right? Nervous system longs to be there. I think inherently knows how to bring us to that place. Mm. What happens for many of us is that you know, traumatic experiences or ongoing um, danger in the world covers mm. up those pathways. So they're harder to find and they're harder to travel those pathways, but they exist inside all of us. And so in my work as a therapist, I'm not creating something new with my clients. We're uncovering what's already there. You know, so for everybody in the world, your pathway home to ventral exists inside your biology. And I think that's a really reassuring thing to understand, right? Right. It's not like, you know, if you were born with early childhood trauma or you experienced trauma as a young kid, it's not like um, you were born without a kidney. It's not a thing you don't have, right? Right. It's just a thing you don't have access to or you don't feel like you have access to. Right. It's less easy to access probably because the other thing I do want to say is that in the course of every day, we have these micro moments of ventral, micro moments of of okayness, right? Which I call glimmers. Yeah. And we want to be looking for those glimmers. And even in the most trauma-saturated life or the most dangerous world, there is a micro moment. There is a glimmer that will appear. Mm. And I think that's really lovely for people to, to be on the lookout for. And it's a reminder that this amazing thing that is our nervous system can hold all of the trauma and all of those experiences and see a, see a glimmer, right? It's a both and. It's a, it's a really helpful mm-hmm. thing to remember that, that, yes, this is a really hard day for me and, 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 and I am overwhelmed. And, oh, a bird just, I just heard a bird sing, right? And I could take yeah. that in. So that, that's important because our two survival states, which are the other two parts of the hierarchy, sympathetic and dorsal. Sympathetic, we've talked about, you know, for people with anxiety, sympathetic is probably very familiar. It's a place of fight and flight, of, of you know, anxiety to panic attack, you know, this mm-hmm. whole continuum. And anger from, you know, frustration to rage, mm-hmm. right? It's a survival response. And we want to remember that when it first activated for us, it was very adaptive. It may not be so adaptive now in the moment, which is why we want to begin to shape it in another way, but we call it an adaptive survival response. And that's sympathetic. And we all go there in some form or flavor most every day, right? There's a moment of, oh, I I am so done with this energy, right? (laughs) You know? And then dorsal is the third state that we have access to another survival state and that takes us to the opposite of sympathetic sympathetic mobilizes us with disorganized chaotic energy dorsal (laughs) immobilizes us it drains all the energy from us is that different um than parasympathetic nervous response so parasympathetic is both ventral and dorsal it's the parasympathetic nervous system okay It's, it's both the the calm connect safe and the disconnect, collapse, disappear. And so parasympathetic, which has those two branches, and sympathetic, which is fight, flight, when you put them together, that gives you the autonomic nervous system. Anxiety Bites will be right back after a quick little message from one of our sponsors. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think often on this show, because people I I think that I talk to aren't as studied in polyvagal as you. And so we always talk about when you're having a panic attack, you want to go from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system. But now you're telling us there's this other way to look at it, which is sounds even more fun going into dorsal, <laughs> right? Well, which sounds, well, is, is it, that? It, it's interesting because sympathetic is, if if we put this on a hierarchy, at the top is ventral, in the middle is sympathetic, at the bottom is dorsal, right? So sympathetic is the only place you have two choices, right? Your nervous system, your brain is really not helping you here. It's your nervous system, right? Your nervous system can either bring you back to ventral where you come back into regulation and connection, or it's going to be, you're going to get pulled down to dorsal, which is where you disappear, dissociate, um, just going through the motions, but I'm not really here. Got right. it. Okay. So it's yeah. not a um it's not an adaptive behavior. It's it's like shutting down. It's it, it's not right. it's not like sleep. 
No. <laughs> I mean, right, well, yeah. I mean, it can be. I mean, people yeah, yeah. can enter dorsal and just sleep and disappear in that way. But it, right. but it, it's, and so it's an adaptive survival response, but it doesn't bring, it doesn't nourish your nervous system and bring you back into connection. Correct. Okay. So right. I was wrong that yeah. it's even more relaxing than parasympathetic. It's like, no, that's a, you know, disordered way. Okay. Got right. It. Got it. Right. Right. So, so those are the three states and we move um, through them down and up all the time in, in small ways and then sometimes in big ways. Right. Like this morning, it, it's it's nine thirty where I am in the morning, and already as I reflect on my day, I had a beautiful ventral experience. I went for a walk in the nature preserve; it was beautiful. And then I came home, and I was met with an email that totally frustrated me. So that was a bit of sympathetic. And yeah. then I had a, a connection with um, one of my trainers, and it was like I am so overwhelmed by all this. I could feel the flavor of just give it up, right? You know, and so all of that is normal. So I want people to understand that this movement into sympathetic and dorsal is normal, is expected. It brings us some of the richness of life. It's when we get pulled out of regulation into a survival state. So when you get stuck in anxiety, then we suffer. But if you have an anxious moment and you return, recover to regulation, that's normal. And it's, and it's okay for your body. In other words, it's when people hear, oh, we go through these three things all day. You know, a lot of people who want to heal their anxiety or they're into self-help, you know, there is just such a lack of, I don't know how to put it, but if you're on Instagram and you're following these, you know, wellness things, there's such a lack of helping people to understand that you, you, you're not bad. You're not doing it wrong. There's no perfect. So the goal isn't, I'm going to live in ventral only, and I'm never going to get into sympathetic or dorsal. It's like, as long as you can dip in and dip out, you are actually living your best life. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And and for, you know, trauma survivor clients, um, it's when they get pulled out and get stuck. Because when we enter sympathetic and dorsal, as we've been talking about already, you can see the stories that activate. We get stuck in that story and we can't find our way out. And so the, the work to, to be a, a, you know, a healthy human is to find pathways to come back to ventral and to, to be able to, to know, oh, I just got pulled into survival story and I can find my way back. Right? And with practice, it gets easier. And I want to, before we get into, I want to ask you some things about how people can heal from trauma, but I want to throw in just a few of my comments that I like what you said about someone who has had a traumatic life, who's working through things. They might have glimmers of hope or of something that brings them contentment. And what I love about that, and you said it with the word curious too. So there's two C words and there's two G words. Okay. So we've got glimmers versus gratitude. So somebody who's having a very hard time might not be there yet. And I always say gratitude doesn't have to mean you feel it or you love something, but, you know, maybe just think about something. But the better way to put it is glimmer. You know, you don't have to force someone to get into this gratitude state before they're ready, but they can glimmer. Oh, you know what? My favorite book, this, my favorite author, they just re- released a book today. It's just a glimmer of something that brings you joy, connects you to you, has nothing to do with your trauma story. Great. And then when I was talking to you about my little friend there at the COVID test, 
I jumped to, well, maybe I should have compassion for him. And what you said was curiosity. So those those two C words again. Jumping to I need to have compassion is, again, like putting this pressure on myself to be this amazing person. And curiosity got me there anyway without me having to say in a judgmental way towards myself, why don't you have compassion? And so I love these words, curiosity and glimmers. I think everyone out there should replace compassion and gratitude with these words when they need to. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, curiosity is um, a quality of, of ventral, of that state of regulation, safety, and connection. So when I can feel a, just a drop of curiosity, when something catches my attention, I go, huh. Right then, I know. Oh, my ventral is just, you know, come to life a bit. Um, compassion and self-compassion are need far more ventral energy to to access. Oh, and that's so, fascinating. So it is technically, scientifically harder. Hmm. It's not just emotionally or mentally. No, it's it's harder to get to compassion, self-compassion. Curiosity is 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 always where I want to start. And, you know, with my, with my clients, it was like, you know, can we, can we be compassionate? Why would I want to be compassionate about, you know, this person that, that has hurt me? Right. I agree. You know, no, yeah. we're not going there now. We may never get there and that's okay. This is about you anchoring in regulation so that you can feel some well-being, physical and psychological well-being. And then curiosity just organically emerges. You organically felt curious because you came to some ventral regulation. It just happens, right? This is so great. And this, you know, it just reminds me of so many people that long ago before there was the science we have now that were saying things like this. One of my favorite people is Dr. Edmund Jacobson. In my early anxiety recovery, one of the first things I did because my anxiety was showing up as this phobia flying, I took a fear of flying course. And we were introduced to progressive muscle relaxation. And a psychiatrist taught the course. And he said, we have to start here with our bodies. Then it will give us the, you know, probably all of this was polyvagal theory. It, it will be able to um, get the mind ready to intellectually think about what we're going to do about our fears of flying. But Edmund Jacobson, Dr. Edmund Jacobson, came up with progressive muscle relaxation in the 30s. He wrote a book called You Must Relax. And back then, a lot of people were going out drinking after work to relax. And he kept telling people, your mind will follow if you actually relax the muscles in your body. And people just did not listen because that doesn't sound as fun as going out for a drink. And, and uh, you know, it. to me, it's the most... Important thing, and everyone these days talks about meditation, which is great, but it almost seems like if you don't meditate, you're going to die. You know, you're going to, um, you're, you're not going to be able to extend your life as long, and you're not going to be able to change your neural pathways if you don't meditate. And I always say to people who ask me, just start with progressive muscle relaxation, listen to a guided thing, stiffen and relax your muscles. It has been the most profound thing and simple thing of my life. And I didn't realize then that it was all to do with everything that you're talking about now. And, and I love what you're saying because it's, it's simple and yet profound. And that's what we're looking for. Because, you know, for, for me, even I'll, I'll use myself as an example, if I need to meditate a half hour a day or even meditate 10 minutes a day, 
to become healthy. I can't do it. You know, it's too great a challenge for my nervous system. My nervous system can't stay in that state. I get, I get anxious and then I disconnect. I just go to, go to, I'm not really here and the meditation can happen, but I'm not here doing it. Right. That's my pattern. Right. But if I know that doing small things over and over reshapes my nervous system, I'm good. Right. Like if I can find three glimmers a day, then I'm going to start looking for more. And, and it begins to accumulate. It's not simply this micro moment. It's a micro moment that finds a way in. And then there's another and another. And it's helpful for people to understand that, yes, for some people, meditation is wonderful. Breath practices are wonderful. If that is not for you, that's okay. Your nervous system will help you find the thing that is right for you, right? Progressive muscle relaxation might be the thing that's right for you right? Uh, looking out at nature might be the thing. There are all sorts of things. So whenever anybody says, you know, I, I used to get things at the beginning of the pandemic, we got things in our mailboxes, five things to do to whatever, right? 10 yeah. things that'll keep you. And I, and I started thinking, wow, none of those work for me. What's wrong with me? Because yeah. that's where we go. And then I came to, oh, my nervous system says, no, thank you. Let's mm -hmm. find something that does work for me. And there are plenty of things that work for me, but I'm not going to tell you that they're the five things you need to do, right? Right. I'm going to invite you to explore and find what are the five things you, you want to do. We'll continue the interview on the flip side of a quick message from our sponsors. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. 
The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, getting into the trauma connection, you know, at the beginning of the interview, I made this note because you were talking about how the nervous system is in our body and it signals to the brain what we're going to make of this sensation. And I I know I talked to um, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, who's a a neuroscientist, and she explained the the process of, you know, like, let's say, um, beginning to have a panic attack on an airplane, that your brain is just trying to predict what's happening based on your body's cues. And if your body is just freaking out for no reason, your brain's going to take a minute. And it's in that moment that we can either latch onto the weird things our brain is telling us or we can know better, but that takes practice. And so I'm thinking about, again, another buzzword we hear, the mind-body connection. And I feel, again, that culture makes us think that the mind-body connection means it starts in our mind and we can control our bodies. And Blah, blah, blah. And it's really body to brain connection, right? Again, it starts with regulating the body, then it can move up to the brain. Is there, am I saying that right? Yeah, it's interesting. Is in in therapy, we talk about bottom up and top down ways of working. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. And so, what we really want is we want bottom up to meet top down because really we are an integrated system, right? We, We are not a brain and a body. We are one system, and the Mm. communication pathways go in both directions, right? The body-to-brain pathway is powerful. And so when my heart starts beating faster, when my breath changes, and that gets sent up to my brain, and my brain is used to anxiety or panic, it's going to go there, right? Because it knows that's the pathway it's traveled so often, right? And some of the work with trauma survivors is to notice when your heart rate speeds up and your breath changes, you know, can we consider excitement, right, mm. instead of anxiety? Because it's the same body experience, but mm-hmm. the brain makes up a different story. So we want to encourage the brain to to look at, you know, what are all the options for stories, right? So, you know, it oftentimes we think if we say something different, we'll have a different experience. That's the top-down, oh. totally top-down like just changing the belief when we're working against the body it is 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 a no win situation right if your brain and your body are in a disagreement and and 
your body feels very strongly about it is going to win that argument all the time. Okay, so uh, so trying to change your thoughts while your body is whatever in survival through, mode in survival not, mode not it's not going to work. It's like right. throwing I don't know I don't know what it's like a tape that's not sticky anymore. It's just not going to stick. Right. It's it's when it's when we first feel the 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 change beginning to happen before we've gone fully into the survival response that we can you know recruit our brain to help us because the brain is still working prefrontal cortex is still there working online with us so when i first begin to feel my heart beginning to to beat faster i can be curious because mm. i haven't left that regulated state and gone to survival but if i am now in sympathetic anxiety survival my brain is is no longer it doesn't come along for the ride so to speak so it's not there to help me right? so this is my silly analogy i live in new york so i'm running for the subway the doors are open that's my window right yeah. to get in there yes. and tell my brain a different story and if i don't make it the door shut train is off it is right. just gone and so I guess that's why this stuff takes practice, right? Because you have to keep experiencing your body about to go into full survival mode in that little window. If you can do that mind work right there, um, great, and then keep practicing that. But you might miss the window sometimes, which is obviously fine. Yes, we, we all miss the window sometimes. I, I'm now going to have that image in my, <laughs> in my head of the doors are closing, right? And, and do I make it or not, right? And, and yeah, the thing that we want to do in our work with our own experience when something is happening is to slow it down, right? As we slow it down, we bring, because all of these experiences are what we call implicit experiences, Right, all of this body stuff, all of the nervous system stuff is happening below the level of our conscious awareness. We have to bring it into conscious awareness. And when we do that, and like we did the turn toward and look at it, we can slow it down so the door won't close quite so quickly. That's really what we're we're trying to do, right? Give us more time. And when you're working with trauma survivors, does it matter what the trauma is? I mean, if they um you know, had sexual abuse, if they had mental abuse, or even if they were a baby that, I mean, I've heard this too. This is always very hard for me to comprehend, but I'm sure you can explain it. I'm always like, what? How is a baby that, you know, I don't know, was sick when they were born and they were maybe in an incubator or something. They didn't have a lot of that human touch. I mean, I get it, but I don't. I, how does someone so young who's not even experiencing something, quote, emotional yet, and then ends up having very loving parents. Like, how does that trauma stay in the body? So we come into the world expecting, we have a biological expectation that we will be met by another person who has a regulated nervous system. Because co-regulation, we don't survive without that co-regulation, right? And, and actually, that need for co-regulation lasts until the day we die. But as we come into the world, it is truly a life or death situation. So for the little ones who end up premature and in the incubator, you know, not connected to their caregiver, that is a, um, a biological um, affront to their system, right? They need that connection. And so instead of mother holding, they're, they're in a, a incubator with tubes and wires and noises and all of this stuff assaulting mm. their system. And so that gets, it's a, you know, their neuroception is one of danger. Right? Right. 
So when neuroception begins to create those pathways, those patterns, then, and that's one of the reasons why skin-to-skin contact, kangaroo care, has become so popular. Even, you know, so as soon as a tiny preemie is, is able to be outside the incubator, skin-to-skin contact, because they're trying to create that, that sense of, of safety and co-regulation. And then does that stay in their body in, until they're older? Well, it's a neural pathway that gets created, right? The nervous system is missing what it needs, and so it has to compensate in some other way. So we build pathways of connection and pathways of protection. And so if we grew up in a, in a home where the world was, was dangerous, it doesn't really matter in what way it was dangerous. So what we say in this kind of work is it doesn't matter so much what happened to you. It matters how your nervous system responded to what happened to you. Mm. So for some people growing up in a dangerous home, they become very sympathetically charged. They might get very big and acting out. Yeah. Or they might have that huge anxiety where they need to manage everything to make sure it stays okay. So that's sympathetic. Or they might go to the dorsal place where they try to become invisible, fly Mm. under the radar, not be seen, not be heard. Those are the creative ways the nervous system is helping them survive. And we carry those patterns into our adulthood, even after we are no longer in those experiences, right? And that's why we need to then go back and look at those and and rewire and restory, because otherwise we're simply acting out of those familiar cues that our nervous system took in and learned how to respond to creatively to keep us alive. So let's say you grew up in a traumatic household of, I don't know, there's whatever it was, instability in, in any form, from the littlest thing all the way up to alcoholic parent, there's violence. So that person who's carrying that in their nervous system, and they've developed all these neuropathways of protection, how might that come up? Like, obviously, if they're met with the same thing, that could come up, but could it be even a little thing? Like a friend says something that they take the wrong way? I mean, is, is that where it comes out? Exactly. That, that's where, you know, neuroception feels a familiar flavor of a cue of danger. And all of a sudden we're having this, this response, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to be friends with that person anymore. Or, or you know, I, I don't want to do this job. Or it becomes something big. And it starts from a familiar cue of danger, right? And the cues are, again, the embodied cues the environmental cues, and the relational cues. Those are the three pathways. So even the environment, you know, my, my, my work environment might have a familiar cue of danger from my past, and I end up leaving that job. And I am going, my brain's going to give me a story about why I left. It's not going to be, oh, that the environment had that cue of danger, right? And when the environment has the cue of danger, you're not saying necessarily that the environment is dangerous and they should have left. It was a so going back to me and my COVID test person. It's right. it's really an overreaction to something that reminds you like the danger could just be like uh, whatever it is you you think your boss doesn't appreciate your work or something. Right, and it can be something as simple as as you know I can't work in an office with no windows. Got it. Okay. And other people feel very comfortable in an office with no windows. It either feels it can feel cozy or it can feel trapped. And, you know, if I, do, if I simply just keep leaving jobs but don't understand why, 
I'm following what my nervous system is is telling me to do, but I don't understand it. And that's why I think when we understand, we can work with, right? I'm probably never yeah. going to want to work in an in office with no windows still. But if I understand it, then I at least know what it is I can ask for or I'm looking for. That's so great. And so to anyone out there who's suffered any kind of trauma and they're looking for a therapist, it really sounds like they need to find someone that understands this work because if we just keep approaching it from, because I've seen this in, in life, I've seen therapists try to jump to let's create different neural pathways with thoughts and the body is never addressed. Um, it's making sense now that that just doesn't work. Right. Right. What should people look for in a therapist if they want to work through some trauma? You know, I think there are lots of therapies that, that you know, are going to bring the body in to the process. And so, you know, I probably, for, for me, when people ask me, I say, why don't you um, ask the therapist? I, I think we should all shop for therapists. I think, you know, we should do a meet and greet. And for me, it's like, does your nervous system feel as though this might be a fit, right? Mm. So when you talk to somebody, do you get the sense that, oh, you know, I'd like to talk to this person again or or no? And if, it's, if your nervous system says no, move on, right? Because you mm. will find somebody who feels like a fit. If this feels like a fit, then you could talk to them and say, so do you, how do you work with the body? How do you think about the nervous system? How do you think about um, healing trauma? Do you, you know, work from the brain down or do you focus more on the body or do you do both? And, you know, sort of ask those questions. It's an interview. You want to interview a therapist and find out, you know, what does this feel like? Right? Yeah. How does my nervous system, does my nervous system say yes, no, or maybe? If your nervous system says yes, keep talking. If it says no, say thank you very much. If it says maybe, I'd keep talking and see, you know, explore, right? And can we trust that, you know, if someone hasn't done this kind of work and, and you know, they're, they're maybe still in that mode where they just keep avoiding things that, can you trust your, quote, gut in that moment? Um, your nervous system won't betray you in that way. Um, I guess, in other words, it, it might it might betray you on a, on a no, I, I don't know, is there? Well, it's, it's interesting because it, 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 there can be a mismatch happening in, the, the person's nervous system. When I meet a client for the first time, I know that it's my job to be regulated and to offer that autonomic regulation of safety and, and a welcome through, through my nervous system to that person and mm. see what happens, right? And it, it's, and it can be challenging. And yet the power, I, I guess I'd like to say this of as well, the power of ventral is pretty mm. astounding, right? As I am regulated and, and connecting with a client for the first time, their nervous system is getting a different experience often, an experience of someone who is safe and regulated and predictable. Mm. And no matter what they say, I just say, I stay regulated and curious, mm. right? And then if your nervous system, if you and I are having this conversation and your nervous system feels, oh, I can't do this, what it's telling you is it doesn't feel safe enough yet to dive into this. Mm. And that, I think, is, is wisdom, right? And then, yeah. you know, we have to make it safe enough. 
right? That's really smart because I'm thinking about anyone going to therapy for any reason. If your therapist comes in, they're late, they've got a coffee and they're like, I'm so sorry, traffic. That is, they cannot do that, right? Like they've got to fix that <laughs> and come in regulated yes. and, and not, and, and that is, it may seem so like, oh, it's fine. I get it. You know, it's a crazy city out there. But they really like, no, you're not getting your needs met on this biological level. And you cannot accept that, right? Is that like a deal breaker kind of? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, for me, that's a deal breaker, right? And in and, and the therapists I train, I would hope they would never come in that way. But if they do, you know, and I've had many messy mornings, right? And they're probably been mornings when I have entered a session not fully regulated. I name that with my client. I say, oh, you know, this was one of those messy mornings. I'm going to take a moment. Let's just arrive together and, and find our way to regulation, mm. right? Because if I try to fake it till I make it, yeah. then, then through neuroception, the other person's nervous system gets it. And for many trauma survivors, their experience has been that, that they've been told what they feel isn't true or what they're seeing isn't happening. Oh, and yeah. so to be able to say, yep, a little bit dysregulated, give me a moment so we can anchor here together and arrive, then the nervous, the client's nervous system says, oh, I was right. On a first meeting, it's probably not a good sign. We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. 
I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, it's me again. I hope that you had a great and relaxing time listening to my interview with Deb Dana. Let's go over some of the takeaways that we got from talking with Deb. Now, these takeaways are always available on my website, jenkirkman.com. Click Anxiety Bites. You can find the link to my website in the show notes. You can find a link to Deb Dana's work and her book as well in the show notes. And once again, um, if you want to tweet at me, it's at Jen Kirkman and at Instagram, at Instagram, at Jen Kirkman on Instagram. And you can let me know how much you loved the episode. I love to hear feedback. You may feel like, oh, she knows. I don't. I love to hear it. So thank you. And you can always send an email to anxietybitesweekly at gmail.com. We are coming to the last episodes of this series. And so Get your emails in soon. Okay, so let's talk about the takeaways from this episode. The nervous system is the common denominator in the human experience. The ventral vagal state is the rest and digest state. It's our state of safety and homeostasis. The dorsal vagal state is one of shutdown when we are pulled away from connection and into a state of self-protection. Part of our human responsibility is to understand why am I behaving this way, responding this way, thinking this way. The brain isn't running the show of our human experience. What happens in the nervous system is. And then that information travels through pathways to the brain. And from there, the brain tries to make a story of what's happening in the body. Neuroception is the process of how our nervous system listens inside of our body. People's nervous systems determine if another person is safe by noticing the tone of their voice, through their eyes, their head movements, through their ears. In other words, how we take in information. It's not the words someone says, but how they're saying them. The cues that our nervous system sends us about another person's nervous system is shaped by our lived experience. If your sympathetic nervous system is in activation, you can turn to it with curiosity. It's a discernment question about the level of response needed. 
we can partner with our nervous system when it's putting us in high alert by being aware that it's alerting us to a pattern and deciding how we want to respond to help us anchor into ventral regulation. People with a chaotic energy need not only to self-regulate, but it helps if the people in their life can co-regulate with them, which brings the nervous system back to a ventral state. The three states of polyvagal theory are ventral, sympathetic, and dorsal. It is normal to move throughout these states many times a day. The goal isn't just to stay in ventral. That's not realistic. The goal is to be able to regulate. Trauma survivors often need to just have a glimmer during the day. Did they hear a song they loved? See a sunset? Anything that gives a few moments of joy. Curiosity is a much more realistic state to expect yourself to move into than compassion, and no one should pressure themselves to feel compassion when they're recovering from trauma. When we are born, we have a biological expectation that we will be met by another person who has a regulated nervous system that we can co-regulate with. And that need lasts until the day we die. If a newborn doesn't receive that, a neuropathway is created because the nervous system is missing what it needs and it has to compensate in some other way. People who grew up in a chaotic home may become very sympathetically charged as their kind of default state and act out often. It doesn't always matter what exact trauma happened to you, but how your nervous system responded to what happened to you. The job of a therapist is to create an environment that is safe to co-regulate in, and they should make sure that they are properly regulated before an appointment. If not, this can, and maybe should be, a deal breaker for clients. That is all for this episode. Please keep listening. We've got a few episodes left, a lot of great stuff coming up. Next week, I am talking to former politician and former soldier Jason Kander about his new book and his experience getting help for his PTSD 11 years after he first developed it and what his journey was like and why he wants to help other people start getting the help they need a lot faster than he did. So thanks again for listening to Anxiety Bites. And yes, Anxiety Bites, but you're in control. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.